Hey, Wayne. Morning. How are you? Tired. Yeah, and, and I, I think Paul and I are both uh, dragon too. So this should be a very energetic podcast today. <laughs> uh, I've been off work for two weeks now, so uh, I haven't been up this early in a long time. Are you starting to feel the dread? You know, you've only got one more day to sleep in, and then back to work. Ugh. Oh yeah, the the dread is here. Yeah, good, good, good. You're feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Tim. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. sorry. We thought we sounded bad. We're, look, we're looking for Tim, not Barry White. I feel like fricassee roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Happy Nude Year! Do you say Nude Year? Well, yeah, because this is 2011, the year in which we podcast with no pants. I thought that was 2010. Well, we're carrying it forward. Okay. Carry <laughs> it forward, Aaron. <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was so successful in 2010, we're, we're carrying it forward to 2011. We've identified it as a best practice, and I believe it's probably going to move on to other podcasts as well. I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a standard now. So. Well, I know what you're trying to do, Aaron, but it's not going to work because Paul just ate breakfast. It's not in his tummy yet. He's not going to yak it up. <laughs> don't have pants. There is a bagel sitting in this stomach that just wants to escape right now. I just, Paul, I just want you to think about my glorious, glorious man parts. <laughs> Why do you hate me? <laughs> so, uh, bronze too. This is the uh, first time we've gotten together since uh, before Christmas. So, what'd you guys get for Christmas this year? Your mom. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's an everyday thing, though. <laughs> That's a good point. Also, also uh, a best practice from 2010. Yeah, that, that we will pay it forward in 2011. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I got a, I got some video games for my Xbox. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I got a, a Marvel Encyclopedia. I believe that's pronounced Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia. <laughs> and um, it, it's rather current. It kind of surprised me because uh, – it came from my in-laws who, you know, fuck do they know about comic books? I think they just <laughs> saw Spider-Man on the cover and picked it up. At least it wasn't a kid's book. Um, but uh, no, it was it was it, it was interesting. It's it's pretty cool. It's very huge. It's it goes up to the end of Siege, so mm. that's pretty cool. Um, big mamma jamma book. I can read all about Squirrel Girl, um, <sighs> the babysitter cometh. And uh, I got a my sister got me a pillowcase. That has the has pages from the Incredible Hulk number one printed all over it. It's awesome. I recommend seeking them out. A pillowcase. It's a pillowcase uh-huh. with the Incredible Hulk number one printed on it. Uh-huh. My brother got one with Fantastic Four number one printed on it. Very nice. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. How about yourself? I uh, 
I got several trades. I got like uh, Walking Dead's volume uh, 11 and 12, which precipitated me picking up volume 13. <laughs> and I have powered through those uh, since since the uh, the holiday. Um, ooh, I got the uh, Batwoman eulogy hardcover, you know, by Rucka and uh, uh, was I got J.K. Williams the J.H. Williams the third. Did Williams. Tim get you that one? He did. He did. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Um, <laughs> you have your Kleenex handy, I guess. I got uh, I got a, 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 an Xbox game. I got uh, Mass Effect Two. I know I'm I'm late to the party on that one, but uh, you know, as as slow as I am in playing games, I'll be playing that you know through 2012. So, but yeah, it was it was a, it was a good year for comics. And then of course, uh, uh, half price books. The local used book chain around here had their big 20 percent off sale, so I picked up a number of trades after that. Like I got. Uh, Wolverine, Enemy of the State, uh, Green Lantern, Revenge of the Green Lanterns, that Solomon Grundy trade by Scott Collins, oh, and very nice. then the uh, uh, Dead Irons uh, first volume trade. Oh, and a terrific art book by uh, on Jack Kirby. It was the the uh, I think it was done by Mark Evanye. Uh, yes, uh, it's a beautiful book. I picked that one up as well. So I got a bunch of, bunch of geek stuff over here. How about you, Wayne? Well, when Paul was describing that uh, that pillowcase, it reminded me of uh, one of the wallets I got was, you know, a bunch of old X Men covers. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a very bright comic book wallet that'll be kind of embarrassing to pull out in professional <laughs> settings. <laughs> yeah, but, I was about to say, no, you, you commented on my pillowcase, but Wayne's walking around with an X Men wallet Velcro style. Oh, it's not Velcro. It's it's got full metal clasp and things. My wife basically complained because my old wallet I've had since I've had for well over ten years, and the metal uh, clips on it were wearing holes in every pair of pants that I had. <laughs> so she's like, "Okay, that's enough here." It's like, but I like my wallet. But she's tired uh, of looking at your ass, Wayne. Apparently, <laughs> uh, yeah. Star Trek, seen it. Red Dead Redemption for PlayStation Three. Uh, uh-huh. a, Lego, a Lego Batman shirt that's uh, it's got Joker pulling his arm off and shaking it at Batman, and it says, "You want a piece of me?" Um, <laughs> nice. And then, then a pajama bottoms that are just covered in logos of all the DC characters. And then for my anniversary, my wife got me the WoW expansion, Cataclysm. Oh, happy anniversary! Thank you. It was five years last week. Congratulations. That means Tim's out of the pool. He said you guys wouldn't make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> it was a safe bet. So, so Timmy, would Santa bring you? What did Santa bring me? Um, well, I, uh, I, I got some cash. Um, I got a lot of coal. And um, <laughs> the the big present for my wife was this this Rapala Pro Bass game thing for the PlayStation. Uh-huh. Where you actually got a little little. Uh, fishing pole minus like the whole pole. Right. So you're sitting there struggling with trying to get to actually get the fish in, and she's laughing at me because I spent a good ten minutes trying to get the stupid fish in the boat. And when I got it in the boat, it was too small for me to actually keep. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like just real like, life. Yeah, it's just like real fishing. So <laughs> that's hysterical. And it's funny though because I haven't I haven't had one of those games where you've done the motion thing. Right. And this one, I actually, I'm like, I'm actually sweating trying to catch this stupid fake fish. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't even get to keep it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't even keep it. Yeah, it's not a keeper. So, 
Yeah, that was my Christmas. That's true. <laughs> you know, uh, for Christmas, my family and I went to uh, the local theme park, Bush Gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a Christmas town thing. Uh, this is their second year doing it for the month of December, and they, they decorate the park with lights and have all sorts of weird-ass singing shows about Christmas and shit like that. So we're at the park. I'm in line to buy an alcoholic beverage, uh, even though my, my parents said no. They said, no alcoholic beverages, you have to drive. Nothing <laughs> says Christmas like getting wasted. <laughs> well, it was weird. I was like, oh, my God, I can't buy an alcoholic beverage in front of my parents. Well, and oh, my God, I have to be sober with my family at Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How the hell does that work? <laughs> and so what happened is I ran into an ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> Cue the porn Not music. repeatedly. I only ran into her once. <laughs> this Paul's a one-pump chump. <laughs> really, uh, I tripped and fell into her with my penis. <laughs> I don't know how it came out. Um, but And it was kind of odd, because this is the second ex-girlfriend I've run into. Oh, yeah. In, in like the past week. Uh-huh, yeah. and uh, Or a week or two. Well, you know. Paul likes to end the year with a bang or two <laughs> or 17. No. Um, so, but, and this is, this is kind of mean of me, but both of them look rather hideous now. And so it, it got me wondering, I'm like, do I date when I dump a girl, does she just get ugly or were they ugly the whole time? And I just never realized. <laughs> Have you ever had that thought? <laughs> No. Well, they were willing to date you, so I'm going with ugly the whole time. Oh. <laughs> it, it, it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm like, oh, my God, maybe they always look that way, and I just didn't notice. Paul, I am sure that once you are done with a woman, you just kind of you know drive the wheels off of her, as it were, <laughs> and there's just nothing left. You have you have you know drained all of the life force from them, and all that is left is a bitter, ugly husk. Hideous, hideous to look upon. That's your mutant power, Paul. You're sexual uh-huh. napalm. <laughs> that explains Aaron's mob. Hey. Wow. Oh, <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me step up right now because uh, you know you have this podcast. You're allowed to do a little bully pulpiting. So I want to, want to see if you guys have this same problem. So when it comes to competitive things, I can't talk smack at all. It's it, it must be a karma thing because if I if I talk smack, not only is my like team gonna lose, but their like their star player is gonna hurt themselves and like lose the rest of the season kind of bad. So I'm not allowed to say anything. So I've been in the fantasy football league getting trounced as far as smack talk goes, and I've been kicking everybody's butt, and not saying a word, being very nice. Well. I, this this past this past Monday I, I won the championship, so this is finally the chance I get to say something that nasty. So I've been thinking about what I was gonna say, and so all the Wadezilla 101 league people, if you're not the lead sled dog, the views all the same. Suck it. <laughs> so do, do you guys have this problem about not being able to talk smack? Because I, I I swear to God it's a karma thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still do it regardless. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah well, but Paul talks smack and generally has nothing really to talk smack about, but but yet he does it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we all find it charming. At least that's what we tell him. 
<laughs> I'm charming. I am charming. I'm a charming motherfucker. So, 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 Tim, you're you're yeah. a big, great, big, huge winner. Yep. You're the big honky mofo. You are the man. Is yeah, that what you're part telling? of the yeah, part of the money is going to help me get to Missouri. Woo! Well, <laughs> well, cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I never win anything like that ever. But, you know, I haven't checked my lotto numbers from the uh, Mega Millions last night. You guys could be talking to a millionaire right now. Yeah, me. And just so you know, <laughs> just so you know, I win I win the million dollars. You know, I, I'm calling Paul. I quit. <laughs> hey, Paul, you can hang that podcast shit in your ear. Fuck you. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> then he'll edit this shit. It'll start sounding like cardboard crack. Because, you know... You know, Paul's mean to me, and uh, you know, you hang that shit in your ear, pal. <laughs> no notice, just out ear. the door. You know, <laughs> hang it in your ear. That's right, hang well, it in your I ear. Jump. Don't expect a good reference, then, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Well, with my two hundred thirty-seven million dollars, I don't need your reference. Yeah, you I'd might. say two hundred thirty-seven million is a pretty good reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll never podcast in this town again. <laughs> So on that note, <laughs> yeah, well, you know what if I won a million dollars? Yeah, what if, what if Aaron did win the lottery? Or what if Siege? So I think uh, everybody read this, but Paul. Yeah, because I'm awesome. Well, Thanks, uh, Paul. what if number two hundred came out? Uh, a big extra sized four dollar and ninety nine cent book. Wayne, I know that you were looking forward to this one. What'd you think? It had reprints. That pissed me off. <laughs> I that that actually did really annoy me because I have my rule about no reprints. I right. will not buy a book if it has reprints in the in the back of it. And I didn't realize that until I actually bought the book, had it home, was reading through, and I get to the end and there's reprints. It didn't bother me so much though because I don't have that original, you know, that original issues. The uh, what was it? What if uh, Bullseye had not killed Electra? Since I'd never read it, it didn't bother me so much, but it was still there. Um, I don't know. It didn't feel like a big 200 celebrating issue. I mean, to hype it up to make it double-sized, I expected something different. I don't know. As far as the story itself, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't the worst of the what-ifs this time, but it wasn't the best either. I hated it. Did you really? Uh, the only thing that I liked was the art, but I... the. Man, I was really hoping for a story that was going to be, you know, epic and big. And all they basically said in this book, spoiler, <coughs> spoiler, is, is if that was it, a half-hearted is, spoiler. That yeah, really was. <laughs> that's because it's a half-hearted book. Um, is the basically the only thing they said was if the century wasn't taken out, he was going to kill everybody. Well, yeah. you don't. I don't need to spend five dollars to know that's what would have happened. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was kind of annoyed him. by the – they give you that whole speech about how, well, the only reason Thor was able to take him out was because he was weak because he had ripped apart Ares. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he's ripping apart other gods here. He's ripping apart you know, Luke Cage who isn't a god, mm-hmm. but he's pretty powerful. You would think that you know, if ripping apart Ares is enough to weaken him that a god can take him apart, take him apart isn't ripping apart all those Asgardians enough that other Asgardians can take him out? Well, and did they ever establish that in the main Siege book, that that was the... Never theory? once. Yeah, and that's what bothered me about that in, in What If. It, you know, they, they say, oh, well, you know, it was because he, he, he had killed Ares, you know, and you never had that sense that 
that had somehow impaired his abilities. Yeah, I took it in the original Siege book as, okay, he ripped Darius apart with no problem whatsoever. Next. Thor just killed him because (laughs) Thor was hitting him with a hammer. Right. And, you know, a god. (laughs) Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the the fullness of the book, the the girth of it, if you will. Um, You know, you had the what if Siege story, which is, you know, what if Norman Osborn, you know, won Siege or what have you. What if... if, uh, you know the good guys didn't win, and then you had um, a uh, what if the Watcher killed Galactus, uh, spinning off of an, an ancient Fantastic Four story from issues forty-eight through fifty, and then after that you had an interview with uh, Roy Thomas, who was the creator of the series. You had a little page here on you know, what was your favorite what if, and then a a reprint of of uh, what if Bullseye. Ha- uh, had not killed Electra. Now, the cover story is the siege story, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it was not epic enough. You know, it was really told to you third person. You know, a lot of times in these what if stories, the watcher sets it up, and then you come into the immediateness of the story, and you're living the story, and then the the watcher, just like Rod Serling, wraps everything up for you. Well, I really felt like we were in watcher mode the entire time, and I never felt like we were engaged uh, in the story. Later on in the book, they talk about uh, what their favorite what ifs were, and you know, several of the guys that they talked to. In fact, uh, Tom uh, Brevert, the executive editor at Marvel, Greg Land, uh, uh, artist of Uncanny X Men, and Mark Wade, who writes uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Captain America, Man Out of Time. They all said that their favorite what if uh, was what if number three, what if the Avengers had never been. And that was a great, big, huge, chunky story that told this epic tale of what would have happened if the Avengers hadn't gotten together. You know, if you look at some of the other choices on there, too, it's the same thing. What if Phoenix had not died ended up being a two part story? What if Wolverine had been Lord of the Vampires? They ended up coming back to as well. And those were incredible books. You know, and actually reading through that, what if Bullseye had not killed Elektra that I hadn't read before? That was really good, too. Yeah. And it just shows you how far what if has fallen. Exactly. Well, and, you know, my my complaint, you know, both that what if Elektra had lived and what if the Avengers had never been were both big, chunky, meaty stories that I mean, stand up on their own right. I mean, I have read that. I've read the cover <laughs> off of that. What if number three? It's so good. Uh, it's written by Jim Shooter. It's a terrific, terrific tale with pencils by Gil Kane. Um, you know, that was one thing. All these older what ifs. When you look at the, you know, that list of what they chose, and when you look at the what if two hundred cover gallery in here, yeah, those books stood up even if you hadn't read the original storyline right. they were based off of. That's right. You didn't. It gives you enough context that you're you're ready to go into the story. Yeah. The main story in What If 200 just doesn't have that same energy. It doesn't have the same uh, uh, just detail, uniqueness to it. I mean, it's just, you know, well, if uh, the Sentry hadn't been killed by Thor, he'd have just killed everybody. I mean, that's essentially the story we were told. Um, and so it was kind of meh. I did like the few pages in there after basically – after, you know, it looks like the Sentry is going to kill everyone, uh-huh. where you see Osborn facing off against Spider-Man, yes. where Venom has beaten him, and, you know, Osborn just comes down, demasks him, it's like, okay, he's yours. 
and yeah. flies away. Yeah, make it last a while. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have seen and and this story if Norman Osborn had had taken it to care of things and they'd still killed the Sentry. Yeah, and that's what I would have liked to have seen. What if Norman Osborn had won? Yeah, because that isn't what we isn't, have here. He yeah. didn't win, right? Now, I, the story that I really enjoyed out of this book, though, was the "What If Fantastic Four? You know, the uh, the What If what, the Watcher had killed Galactus. The Dale Eaglesham pencils on that, and I was surprised to find that Stan Lee wrote the uh, the script for that. Um, I thought that was a terrific story, and I loved the pencils on it. I thought it was beautifully illustrated. Uh, really dug that. I also dug the <clears throat> excuse me the Roy Thomas interview. Um, but it was a, it was a weak book. It was not what I thought a a two hundredth issue celebration ought to be because I I thought the siege story sucked so hard. It is sad when the best story in the book was a reprinted story from you know I don't even know what year thirty this years ago been. twenty years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. But boy, you know one of the things I found kind of amusing is you know John Byrne winds up being the the whipping boy of uh, comic books but there's a lot of praise in here for uh for uh some of the work john byrne had done on, on what if you know when you're reading the the what was your favorite what ifs so i got so nostalgic when i was looking through the what if cover gallery and just the list of all the issues oh yeah yeah it makes me want to go downstairs and pull out my box of what if and just start reading because i have a ton of these you know these things yeah what if I got my five bucks back? That's kind of what I <laughs> stupid book. <laughs> yeah, there were things I liked about it. I just it, it wasn't the story I was hoping it was going to be. So there you go. What if number two hundred? Your money probably would have been better spent buying Avengers number eight. I have no. a hard time believing that. Don't say that, Paul. <laughs> Seriously, there you are, just said what if sucked. There are. So does Avengers. <laughs> you know, Paul, there are an infinite number of universes with infinite numbers of possibilities. I can't imagine that even one exists where Paul, I'm sorry, <laughs> where Tim <laughs> Wayne and I buy Avengers number eight. That universe doesn't exist. I have to say something I don't know if I've ever said before. Paul, you were right about something. Oh, I, uh, I've been watching Well, the last couple of weeks I've had off a ton of uh, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. The, you know the new cartoon absolutely love it that thing is incredible they had i had the dvr grab every episode that it could possibly grab on it and just been completely blown away why can't we have an avenger story like that in the comic books yeah See, i'm enjoying the new avengers <laughs> well okay so avengers number eight featured the return of the illuminati right they, they haven't met since i think dark rain right started so, you know, they they are meeting because Parker Robbins the Hood is stealing the Infinity Gems. But, you know, they're still meeting in secret. You know, people still don't know they exist. Well, Steve Rogers gets suspicious of Tony Stark, and he says, you know what? Follow him. And so, basically, the lid's blown on the Illuminati. They're, they're in, like... I don't know. They're they're somewhere snowy, <laughs> like the North Pole or something, um, you know. And so they're meeting in secret, and they come out of the building, and to- and Steve Rogers, and basically all three sets of Avengers, the Secret Avengers, the New Avengers, and the regular Avengers are all there waiting for them, and they're just like, what what the hell are you doing? So I mean, it, it, I gotta be honest with you, the writing on this book was 
dynamite. Um, this is you know th- this is the type of Bendis writing that I'm used to seeing, uh, unlike that first storyline. So this was a great read. The art is still the weak point of the book, though. You know your art sucks when I can't tell the difference between Mr. Fantastic and Charles Xavier. Well, you know, and the thing that I find so striking, I I, I was telling you about the trades that I that I picked up over the last couple of weeks, and you know, one of those is uh, uh, the Spider-Man book with uh, Dan Slott and John Romita, and I forget what it's oh, called yeah. all of a sudden. New Ways to Die. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful book. John Romita mm-hmm. Jr. does the pencils. Same artist. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it's almost unrecognizable when you hold that book up against the Avengers book because the Avengers book is so poorly drawn. Yeah, it's just it's shockingly bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, when I when I was referencing, um, you know, Xavier and Mr. Fantastic, I mean, that's a legitimate concern I had in the comic book when they go to the Arctic, they, they wrap their face in like a scarf or some shit. And once they do that, I literally could not tell the difference between the two of them. Yeah. I did not know who was talking. You know, it was just rather odd. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the story was just dynamite. It was like the first really few was. issues of Secret Avengers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, once you get everyone in moon gear, you know, but still a, a dynamite read. I, I, maybe it's worth picking up in trade. I know you guys are not going to pick up the Avengers number eight. In any <laughs> infinite universe, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. What if number two hundred one? What if Aaron Wayne and Tim read Avengers number eight? Yeah, Could they, be they, can't, they can't. What if Spider Man, the Grim Hunt, followed you know closely by What if John Romita Jr. repeated all his awards at the Funnies? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a what if story exactly, but I'm really curious by all of these Age of X previews they've got. If you've noticed on the bottom of these, on all, you know, you know, basically every Marvel book that came out this week, there's a barcode down there you can scan with your phone. Each one of them takes you to a basically a web page, a single picture that gives you a little bit of the alternate world history. And what I'm gathering from reading all these is something happened in that world to turn people against mutants, and the Avengers are tasked with hunting down mutants. And it seems to be kind of an Age of Apocalypse type story without apocalypse so i'm kind of interested but i also think that it's probably going to be crap and disappoint me wait for the trade wayne <laughs> you're gonna be disappointed i like the the barcode scanning thing is actually a really cool idea though you know all it is is taking you to hidden pages on marvel's website but still it's kind of a cool concept i don't agree just so you know <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that that wayne because i i've you know obviously thumbed past these age of x uh advertisements but since i don't read the the x-men i just kind of huh that's pretty and flip past i haven't even noticed that little bit down in the bottom corner about uh download a qr reader to your smartphone for access to exclusive age of x historical logs well and i think the only reason it seems so interesting is because they're trying to pull back the nostalgia for age of apocalypse yeah because age of apocalypse is so good instead of actually coming up with their new concept and marketing it in really cool new ways they just kind of trying to pull across the you know the people that originally read age of apocalypse that thought it was good yeah just ride their coattails yeah well that's marketing for you Okay. <laughs> so speaking of marketing, uh, everybody every year had Ultimate Thor 3, so you apparently didn't market it to my generation. Just, Which I don't get why uh-huh. you're not reading this, Tim. Why are you not reading this? Because you it like Thor. Ultimate in it. 
Yeah, but it's but Ultimate Thor. It's Ultimate Suck. Oh, God. <laughs> no. It couldn't be further hate, from the truth. It's the best Ultimate Thor book out there right now. It goes That's to a deep-seated hatred I have for when they started doing the Ultimate Universe. So you haven't liked the Ultimates from the beginning? I have not bought one Ultimate comic ever. Really? Wow. Yeah, you I have will, missed out. There was a time period there where everything Ultimate coming out was better than anything the regular Marvel Universe had, you know, being published. It's been a yeah. long time since that happened, but that for a while there, that was the case. Yeah, Ultimate Thor is, is really a very good book, uh by Hickman and Pacheco. I, I, I loved issue number three. How can you not love an army of Nazis powered by the blood of a god? Yeah. Yeah. Paul, you yeah. read it. What do you think? I did read it. And this, because this book is this damn good, that's the reason I'm thinking about picking up Ultimate Comics Captain America next week. Yeah. Uh, by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I don't read the Ultimate books, but damn it, this book is... It's just a, a fantastic book. And I, I haven't been following Thor that much through the Ultimate books or the Ultimate Universe, so I don't know what he's doing right now. But you know, this it, it almost doesn't even feel like it had to be an Ultimate Universe book. It could have just been, you know they have so many Thor books on the stands right now yeah. that are not in continuity. Yeah. This could you know, this reads like another one of those, essentially. Yep. I I, I love it. I mean, you know, you got Nazis in there. We we all know that I'm a sucker for that. Um the scene where Loki kills Balder is awesome. I, I, I think that scene is fantastic and, you know, finishes him off through the eye. Oh, oh it was awesome. <laughs> I, I've got to say, though, Odin's death was a little lackluster. I yeah. mean, it was – I was like – I expected like a full-page splash because that's a significant death. Yeah. But uh, don't you love Ultimate Volstag? Yes. yes. Ultimate Volstag is a motherfucking badass. I love Ultimate Volstag. Yeah, you know, I did like you know Odin's death because it fits with Norse mythology. He died being eaten by a wolf. Right. You know it it completely fit. It was Loki brought the wolf in and the wolf eats him. What I thought was really cool though is the just the look of, the Asgard. Look of Asgard. We haven't seen this look anywhere else. The you know the entire city built around the world tree. Yeah. It really calls back to actual mythology. It does. I love I love being, seeing you know Yggdrasil uh, coming up right through the middle of the city. Really like that. I, I I think there's I think I can't find anything I don't like about this book. I'm not saying it's the best book ever in the world. I'm just saying that I don't have any I don't have any nits to pick on this one. Uh, it is so enjoyable. I I like the the modern era story that's going on with it. That you know we're trying to figure out you know what's going on in Thor's brain. Um, and I love the flashback stuff to the 30s with the Nazis invading Asgard. You know, looks a whole lot to me like uh, uh, the Nazis started Ragnarok. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just think it's an awesome, awesome story. Uh, the only qualm I have, the only nitpick I have is the same nitpick I had with issue two, which is the Thunder Whiskers. They keep changing. <laughs> <laughs> from panel to panel sometimes it's more like a goatee sometimes it's more like a beard on the cover it's more like a goatee but in the comic it's more like a beard it's just inconsistent and it bugs me you know it is the ephemeral changing nature of deific whiskers yeah, even deific with you pointing whiskers. it out i still have never noticed that <laughs> i mean it's different in the different time frames 
in modern day it doesn't look like it did then but i've just never noticed reading it any changing whiskers see he was completely missing his whiskers in a panel last issue just eh, it bugs me i notice things like the art wayne I, I, I'm a attention-to-detail kind of guy. Well, all right then. Now you know. Now you know. So, uh, you know, if you're such an attention, if you're paying so much attention to detail, tell me about the attention you paid to Doc and Dark Wolverine number four, Paul. What I find interesting is that his costume's already shot to shit. Trashed. So maybe maybe he'll have a different costume come next issue. That would be okay with me. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know what always makes me uncomfortable in Marvel comics? Bisexuality? uh, No, no. When I see Reed Richards and Sue Storm in bed together. (laughs) Particularly when he's being all stretchy. (laughs) (laughs) And and this issue opens up with the two of them laying in bed. And, you know, he's just, I mean, particularly look at the stretchiness of his fingers. You know what he's been up to. (laughs) I, uh... I, uh... He's in a little stretchy shocker action there, I'm thinking. But, uh... Uh, that I, that always just makes me a little, you know, uncomfortable about uh, Mr. Richards. Just saying. <laughs> this, uh, you know, th- this kind of goes back to the same thing I talked about with the first storyline. Now, I, I, let me just uh, put this out there. I enjoyed Doc and Dark Wolverine number four. Uh, okay. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I still don't get that Doc is that close to them. Right. Me neither. You know, he seems like as close with Johnny Storm as Spider-Man is. Right. You know. Him and Johnny Storm are hanging out in Johnny Storm's bedroom. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting for those guys to kiss. I, it, yeah. That's that seemed a little bit more intimate than uh, than just two close friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the, Johnny Storm's sitting on his bed. Dawkins getting dressed in front uh, of him. Uh, 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 so and he's all stretchy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would and you be as creeped out if their powers were switched, Aaron? What if it was that invisible girl was the stretchy one and he just would, made himself invisible? Why would she invisible. need to stretch? What would she need to stretch? I don't want to hear that. That's great. <laughs> because, <laughs> because Reed Richards is huge down there. Huge. Well, down there. He's stretchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet you before the gamma radiation got to him, he was a... Cosmic Hulk radiation, Hulk. gamma radiation's the Hulk. Paul, God, get with it. I thought you paid attention God. to detail. <laughs> obviously God, it's like you've never read a comic book before yeah, obviously <laughs> I, I need to go back and read my pillow yeah please do <laughs> please do go drill on the hulk <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i'm with paul i i'm having a hard time believing that uh you know Dawkins is this tight with the with the fantastic four um i did think that there was there was some uh uh, little crossing of boundaries in this issue. I, 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 the, the relationship between him and Johnny seems more romantic than not, uh, which I'm cool with. I mean, I think that would be interesting uh, to see, but you know, I, I think they're, I think uh, uh, the writer is, is, is pushing that wall a little bit. Did you like the, uh, that, that uh, Dawkins now has a witchblade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, to summarize this issue, Dokken faked his death last issue, including faking his death to Johnny Storm. And then one issue later, he reveals that he's not dead to the Fantastic Four. Um, to basically, Reed Richards makes him a witchblade, and um, he steals, like, some other weapon from them. It's 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know what that is. It's that little – there's that thing in the case. Yeah, it's like a I thumb drive. I still just don't get why the Fantastic Four would have anything to do with this guy. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, this was well, one of Osborne's Dark Avengers. Because he's broke back banging Johnny Storm. That's right. <laughs> I sure wish I could quit you. <laughs> he's even wearing Johnny's clothes. He's That's wearing right. a Fantastic Four shirt. I mean, that is the benefit of being gay, though, is that you know you, you increase your wardrobe by, by 100%. <laughs> there you go. Well, And what's funny is, uh, so he hits on the thing for like three quarters of the issue. And the thing's like all uncomfortable about it. He even kisses thing on the cheek. And thing freaks out because things are, things a homophobe. Yeah. Uh, and then about three quarters of the way in the issue, Dawkins like, I think I need a hug. And things like, Yeah, you're not so bad. And so they're all like buddy buddy now. So apparently there's going to be like a three way thing going on with him, Johnny, and the thing. It during that one week of the month where the thing can take off his uh rock. Oh yeah. There you go. Doc and Dark Wolverine number five. That's what you have to look forward to. But, Who but, needs you know, bad fan fiction when Marvel will produce their own slash fic? But, you know, we don't have to wait for, for, for Thing to turn back into Ben Grimm because Grimm has got that healing factor. <laughs> <laughs> and now he has the Witchblade, too. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, uh, Dokken reaches out to the Fantastic Four, and the reasoning that he shares with them is, you know, I've made mistakes. I'm not a good person. I want to change that. It's hard, though, when people look at you and see only one thing, when they judge you before giving you a chance. This is my opportunity to prove that I can be someone different. Eventually, when the time is right, I'll come out as myself. Then maybe people will finally accept me without the past hanging over my head. They'll see me as I am instead of what I was. Which, you know, if Dokken were an honest person, that would be a great, you know, you'd go, oh, yeah, I get that. But this is not what's actually happening. One of the things I enjoy about Dokken is that he, he lies all the time. And, you know, as the reader, you're having to kind of sort things out, you know, what is he actually up to? You know, I, I think that makes Dokken a very interesting character. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I'll say about this book is that Dokken is absolutely the strong piece of this book. The, the writers, Daniel Way and Marjorie Liu, know Dokken, write him so well, but everything else isn't clicking as well as he is. What do you mean? You're talking the supporting cast or the supporting. Well, they're right at this point. There is no supporting cast. I mean, other than the Fantastic Four. Right. Right. But I, and I will say this is probably the strongest issue of the four that we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the, the first three issue storyline was just rather eh to me, you know, for a character as interesting as Doc. And it just it didn't really, you know, hit home as well as it should have. Uh, so, you know, I hope this second storyline goes a little better. You know, I'll, I'll give it the second storyline. This is Empire Part Two, Act Two, Part One of Four. Yeah, uh, but I'm still not sold that this is going to be a title I'm going to buy on an ongoing basis. It's just, it's, it's good. It's not that good. Yeah. Well, I'm still in. I'm still in. I'll be picking up number five. But I think what everyone wants to know, inquiring minds want to know, are you still on board, Teen Titans? I am. I. And I think Tim is. I'm so on board with this title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about, you, what about you, Paul? I I, I loved it. I loved it. I, you know this. So Teen Titans 90 is the third issue with Damian Wayne, and um, I, I got to be honest. Uh, for a second, I thought you know when when it first started and Damian Wayne 
you know, first appeared, I was like, okay, maybe it's a guest star appearance. Maybe he's not actually joining the team. But it looks like he's a permanent member now. Well, as permanent as things are with the Teen Titans. So, you know, Damian Wayne, the him and um, One-Eyed Sally, what's her name? <laughs> One-Eyed Sally? <laughs> That's what he calls her. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but um, the, the, the interaction between him and uh, Ravager, great. I, I think it's dynamite. I love the fact that, you know, usually at the end of a book, you know, spoilers on, at the end of the book, Ravager and Damien are running around this abandoned school that has been, you know, the the students are all super-powered freaks. And so they walk into the cafeteria, and there's, like, hundreds of them. And, you know, in a normal book, you'd see the characters say, like, oh, shit, we're screwed. But Damien and Ravager go, this is more like it. Oh, yeah. Like, they're excited. It's like, yeah, we get to kick some ass now. I, I just, I like the way they're written. That was a very, that was a very cool moment. The other, the other, like, I thought that was a, that was a awesome Teen Titans moment was when Kid Flash found the, the kid they were looking for before their supercomputer did. <laughs> He's like, yeah, the reason it took me so long is because the stupid library didn't open until 10, but here's the, the dude you're looking for. I thought that was awesome. You know, yeah, I've never really book. cared for, you know, for Bart's character until the first few issues of uh, Teen Titans when he gets shot in the knee and he spends all that time in a library reading every book there. Right. And ke- first came back with that Kid Flash, you know, costume. That's when the character really caught me. And it's I haven't read very many good Kid Flash stories with him in it. Yeah, I, as far as far as Kid Flash goes, I I, I liked him better when he had the impulse costume, and I, I liked a lot of the stories that they had with in Young Justice with with him and and uh, Connor and and Tim Drake. But um, since he's come back, that was the coolest moment I've seen with the Kid Flash. So he's rocking it. Yeah, it's a, it, it, this is a, a really good book. I'm, I'm experiencing less and less issues with the art. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I was about to say. I think the art is really tightening up on this book. You, know, you still have Beast Boy with his snaggle tooth. Uh, yeah. You know, I and you know, I don't know how many times we can say it, but hopefully one more. <laughs> Get Beast Boy and Ravager off this team. Seriously. Not Ravager. I like Ravager. Raven. Not Ravager. Raven. Yeah. What the, the hell are you talking about? Two-eyed Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you if we could lose uh, Beast Boy and Raven from the book, this book would be almost perfect. Because I, I, I am really very much enjoying uh, the story on it. And i got to say, this is what J.T. Cruel can do when he's not bound to some ridiculous crossover event. You know, like Green Arrow and uh, Brightest Day. Who reads that shit? I can't imagine who reads that crap. Two thumbs pointing at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan Landreth. No, honestly, the reason I wanted to talk about this, and I'm going to be brief, because there, uh, there's a few of us that picked up Green Arrow, and um, uh, people dropped off of it because of the fact that it didn't seem like it was going anywhere, which I, I agree with. Um, but another one of the complaints was the art. Um, I know Paul wasn't digging the Diages Neves art, and Green Arrow 7 came out, and it's got a new, a new artist, uh, Mike Mayhew, and I'm not sure if 
he just was filling in for an issue or not, but um, the art is definitely uh, different, and I, I do enjoy it. Um, but the story involved, uh, and this is a little bit into Green Arrow uh, history territory, is that he he started off being a, uh, a a bozeman basically when he was on safari and his mom and dad were killed by lions. And this issue involves um, his mother um, coming back, being kind of like this ghostly apparition in the forest, and him trying to learn to forgive himself and to not be so hard upon himself. And it was just a beautiful book. So I don't know if I could talk you guys back into the title, but at least this one issue in and of itself was good, and it's going to at least make me come back for issue eight. So. Hmm. There you go. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Tim. I just don't know. <laughs> so is this the start of the second of the second storyline? Was the first storyline six issues? Yeah, yeah. The 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 capper last last issue was him confronting the uh, head of Queen Industries, mm-hmm. and that didn't necessarily get resolved. But it looks like they're they were transitioning, but they're still tying it into the forest and the brightest day somehow. So I can see the complaint about it being um, still compartmentalized, so yeah. to speak, but this issue is a good issue. Have all of his supporting cast been introduced now? No. No. No, we still have just Galahad. Okay. No Friar Puck? No Friar Puck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what book everyone should have read this week? But good luck now because now it's sold out at the distributor level. Echoes number one from Top Cow. Uh, now Tim probably did not like this book. Now that I think about it, Tim read it. But Tim, you're not a horror fan. I am not a horror fan. What do you think of Echoes number one from Top Cow? Um, well, I thought it was creepy. <laughs> um, and I, it was interesting. So, I, I, it's not like I didn't enjoy it. But it's not. It wasn't really my cup of tea. But what I saw, I know that um, people around here that do like horror would like. So I can, I can at least say that the people that do like horror should give it a try because it, de- it was definitely creepier than I would have thought you could get with a comic book. Yeah, that's one thing I want to say about it. Echoes um, is now. If you picked up the Top Cow first look trade paperback, that was five bucks. This was in that as well. So you could either pick up that that trade paperback for five bucks, or you can pick up the first single issue for two ninety nine. Actually, I guess you can't. I just said it was sold out. Um, but it's about a guy whose father's on his deathbed. His father says, "You know, I need you to go into my house, and I need you to, you know, to hide the shit that I left in my basement, basically." And so, you know, he he goes he goes to his father's house. There's op, there's some supernatural stuff going on um, that obviously hasn't been explained yet. But then he finds out spoilers on i guess i'm not spoiling too much because it's the basic premise of the book that apparently his father was a child killer and he would make little dolls out of the flesh and bones of his victims and you know it's a it's a black and white comic book and it just i i really you know like tim said i think it's creepier than i expect from a typical comic book you know horror in comic books typically doesn't work this book i thought was really creepy i got my wife to read it and she was creeped out by it too it was just a really good book. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so stop buying What If 
put down the what if 200 and buy echoes instead i'm on board for putting down what if is there a trade-in you know do you do you get your money back if you if you hand them the what if and you just go ahead and get the other book no you get a free marvel 2011 calendar though oh yeah i got my marvel 2011 calendar i got screwed last year but i got it this year so all is right in the world i got it last year it was a wonderful calendar and i got screwed this year (laughs) apparently there is a finite number of funny books hosts who can have the the marvel calendar Jonathan Landreth is sitting at home looking through his calendar right now, just so you know. He's got your calendar, Wayne. Yep, go get him. Please, (laughs) he doesn't buy comic books anymore. Specifically for the March Tiger spread. That's That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, next week, I see that uh, there are a couple of things coming out. We've got that new Steelbook which is uh, starting off the, the the big doomsday story over there in DC Comics. Reign Remington of doomsday. Steel? Yeah, Remington Steel. Yes, Remington oh. Steel. Yeah. Interesting. I would buy that shit. Remington Steel versus Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny to say there's a couple things coming out because I think that's all I'm buying next week is a couple of books. Yeah, next week is a very sad week for books, even sadder than this week. Well, I, I see that. That DC is doing their Weird Worlds uh, series. It's a limited series, six issues. Um, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting, except that each book features three stories, three tinge-page stories, and they continue over that uh, six-issue series. So you're getting a ten-page part you know, of a 60-page book that they're doling out to you, uh, a 60-page story. That sounds awful. That just sounds awful. <laughs> well, don't buy it, Aaron. Uh, I won't. I won't. Yeah, you're, you can't make me buy that book. I will but not I'm... be buying that book. <laughs> Stop trying to make I... me buy that book, Paul. Buy it. Stop buy it. it. <laughs> you want it. You want it. You want Echoes number one and Avengers number eight. Is there a hollow foil cover I can get to? Maybe if on the Thanos Imperative Devastation one shot. Uh, I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. And sometime in January, we get the polybagged Fantastic Four issue in which someone dies. Indeed, it's the and there's, they are ending Fantastic Four with I think issue five eighty seven. I hate that. And then they are restarting it as FF number one, same creative team, just called FF. Are they starting it the following month? Yes. Okay. Why kind of would they list. do that? Sales hype, <laughs> sales marketing I hype. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, I understand the whole polybag thing, but I'm like. You're going to restart it the next month with a stupider title that doesn't have, like, you know, the the mystique that you've had a 500-issue run. Okie dokie. Well, the 500-issue run also puts people off. If you're just going to pick a book up off the shelf and you see it's got 500 issues, there's a lot more history that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Come around issue 13 or 14. No, not even. Because what what issue is Fantastic Four at now, Eric? 587. 587. That's the last issue, or is that the one that just came out? Uh, that, that's, that'll be the last issue. 586 right now. 586. So 587 will be the last issue. So on issue 13 of FF, they're just going to change it back to Fantastic Four number 600. Yeah, there is no way they won't do that. You that's know, right. The 600. Big and, it would be, it, and it would be the, that, the year cycle, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Issues 1 through 12. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we see through your plans, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> you did it with Captain America. You're going to do it with Fantastic Four. Actually, they do it with just about everything. They did it with right. Thor. Yeah. 
Thor, I think, was like around that time, too. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care for that. I don't like renumbering. I mean, how many times have they done it with Spider-Man? A gazillion times. A gazillion. A gazillion times. And they've had Deadpool issue 1,000 and Deadpool issue 900. (laughs) I don't get where they pull these numbers out of their ass. I think they just released, like, Wolverine number 900 the other day or a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, seriously, there is no Wolverine number 900. There, I mean, I'm sure there have been 900 appearances of Wolverine, but if you're going to count them all... <laughs> I think that's what they're doing. They're counting all, everywhere he's ever appeared, ever. Oh, Wolverine number can, you imagine, you, can you imagine the, the poor intern? They're like, hey, you know what, buddy? You you have to catalog all the Wolverine appearances for the, uh, the Wikipedia page or whatever. That's right. Like, oh, really? I would blow... You know, that is one thing I give to the to What If. It's sad that all the cool things about it were the, the backup stuff. But in their What If 200 cover gallery, they actually went through number-wise and showed you how they got to 200. Because they haven't had an ongoing series going this long. They you know they had the original series, then they had Volume 2, then they had those individual one-shots. And they do number by number what each one of them was, which was also better than the actual story in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you excited about 2011? I'm are you excited. energized? Let's hope that 2011 brings us some good shit, you know, in the way of comics. Obviously, DC is going to put together some type of Reign of Doomsday and War of the Green Lanterns and the End of Brightest Day. Hopefully, we'll get a good Superman comic in there. Yeah, I don't count on that. <laughs> Marvel has Fear Itself coming out this summer. And clearly, you're excited about that. Very. I can't wait. Stoked. Stoked is the word I would use. <laughs> yeah, fear itself is going to blow. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very much encouraged with some of the titles I'm reading right now. You know, I mean, we're all very excited about Teen Titans. I think Ultimate Thor is rocking it hard. Paul and I and even a little bit of Tim are uh, excited about Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, there's good stuff out there. I, you know, Only a little strong. bit of Tim. Only a little bit of Tim. Only a tiny portion of Tim is excited about a wee, a wee bit of Tim. A wee Tim, little Tim, a couple, couple teaspoons of Tim. Two thousand eleven is a big year for comic book movies too. What do we got yeah. coming? We got uh, Thor coming. Thor, yes. We've got Green Hornet. Green Hornet that looks horrible. Yes. Uh, Priest is supposed to be out, which I never read the comics. So I don't really, I don't have an opinion yet. Uh, there is talk about X-Men First Class being out, Green Lantern, Thor, Captain America. Yeah, Marvel has three movies coming up this summer. Let's hope at least one of them is good. Yeah. <laughs> based on their I track record, I'd say based on track record, I'd say there's a pretty good chance of at least one out of three being good. You know, uh, Marvel's been doing well. I, I expect all of them to at least be entertaining. You know the 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 Thor uh, movie just looks awesome. Yeah, and the Captain American one. That the fact that they're actually doing it set in World War II has me really psyched for this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good stuff. Now, 2011 is gonna be gonna be epic, epic. I say, mostly epic. And you can expect another 52 episodes of funny books with Aaron and Polly and Tim and Wayne, and maybe without Tim and Wayne. Um, <laughs> so now we can go to our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Get rid of Tim and Wayne. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, you know, I, I I plan to 
revise my pull list in 2011, only start picking up the shit I want, you know, start giving other titles a chance that I don't that I wouldn't normally because I'm buying shit comic books. Mm-hmm. I may drop a Batman a comic or two off my pull list. We'll see. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, happy 2011, everybody. Happy 2011. Uh, well, just 2011. Ending ever. Just cut the shit off. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 